episode of Running on Ice. It's the coolest community in freight where we talk about tech developments, warehouse news, and anything going on in the cold chain world. I'm Cindy Edwards, your host. Now today I'm talking with the Therma CEO and founder, Monik Suri. He's joining us now. Monik, can you hear me? How are you doing? I'm great. Doing great, Sydney. Happy Friday and great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Happy Friday to you too. I know it's a great day over here in Freight Alley. I wanted to get into first a bit about Therma, how you joined and really what Therma is about. Yeah. Well, I uh, uh, spent a lot of time thinking about that as the founder and uh, how I got into uh, working in the cold chain. The real impetus was trying to help uh, find ways to improve both safety and sustainability. That was an area of passion. I spent some time uh, in finance and then in government. Uh, working on economic and regulatory policy and thought there was an opportunity to build technology in spaces that were kind of underserved. And the supply chain felt like a big area, a huge infrastructure and um, part of the economy that was not being attacked and not being tackled with modern technology. And there's just a ton of uh, opportunity there, then both in uh, in helping to, to reduce waste and cost for businesses and also to help improve sustainability for the planet. And so um, it was kind of those twin inspirations that got me into cold chain and uh, and working with businesses up and down the supply chain. Well, welcome to the cold chain world. You know, I don't know if you're, you're you know this or not, but I am relatively new to the business now. Um, tell me, when was Therma established? Yeah, so Therma is uh, two and a half years old. So we started uh, working on the business in uh, late 19. Thank you. And uh, Always nice to to get a little bit of recognition, but it's an early uh, and and fast growing business uh, that we just started right before the pandemic. Perfect. So let's get into some of Therma's products and a little bit about what Therma does exactly. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, we're a smart refrigeration or clean cooling technology platform. We use a combination of IoT sensors, uh, analytics and controls to help turn refrigeration into intelligent assets. We monitor 24-7, and we also help to create uh, analytics that can turn refrigeration into batteries to save energy and reduce equipment failure and downtime. And of course, product spoilage and loss. And who exactly would your customers be in this? Yeah. Right now, we sell to businesses. So we don't sell to consumers. It's a business-to-business offering. And we sell to uh, folks up and down the food supply chain primarily. So we work with growers, uh, distributors, uh, uh, folks that have uh, cold storage warehouses and distribution centers. We work with retailers and, of course, with um, hospitality and uh, uh, and, and food service uh, players. Customers include uh, you know, up the supply chain, uh, folks like Taylor Farms, uh, Lineage Logistics, uh, UNFI, uh, 7-Eleven, uh, hotelers like Marriott, Wyndham, Hilton, restaurant chains like Starbucks, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Domino's, and others. A lot of players in the game to mention, and this is stationary, correct? It's it's not necessarily the last mile, it's after the last mile, and it's um, inside cold storage freezers, and what else maybe? 
Yeah. Uh, basically, any refrigeration environment uh, up and down the supply chain. So starting with the largest format uh, spaces, you know, the the distribution centers and cold storage warehouses that might be, you know, 10 to 50,000 or even 100,000 to a million uh, square feet. Uh, we work with a number of warehouse uh, owner operators, both first and third party. So self-owned as well as third party owned. And then we work with folks that have, you know, smaller uh, you know, fulfillment centers or micro fulfillment centers. Uh, and then, of course, with retailers, you know, uh, supermarket, convenience store, grocery owner operators, there the boxes tend to get smaller. And then ultimately, we work a ton with uh, folks down closest, as you said, um, past the last mile, right before the fork, so to speak, uh, that refrigeration that sits between the product and, and consumers in uh, amusement parks, hotels, casinos, and of course, restaurants, cafes, and bars. So today we're talking about supply chain constraints and the impact on the food industry. So let's get into a bit about that. What are the constraints that you're seeing, especially when it comes to the food industry? Absolutely. So, uh, well, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of challenges these days. And, you know, it depends on kind of what lens you use. On the supply chain side, we're seeing a lot of shortages right now in raw ingredients. And so you're having pressure on pricing and pressure on availability because of a combination of, uh, freight and 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 shipping uh, constraints. You know, there's not enough uh, unloading and and movement of product coming off of docks. We've got a huge amount of uh, shortage in certain key products because of geopolitical events going on. Uh, some of the instability in Europe and and the war going on in the Ukraine has caused a lot of supply chain shortfalls in key product lines. And then on top of that, we've got this uh, significant pressure because of the economic uh, realities of what's going on closer to home. You know, we've got inflation and uh, pressure on prices of things like energy and, and gas, which is driving up rates and making it harder to get people uh, products. And also also um, wage uh, labor is is harder and harder to come by. It's just a, a shortage in, in, in availability of folks to actually help work and, 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 and both on the supply chain side and in the locations you're seeing shortages of labor. So all of those are creating pressures, both on the product availability and price, ultimately. And some of that's being borne by the businesses. Some of that's getting passed on to consumers. So I would actually like to talk specifically about labor shortages and what is at risk when a business is stressed, when employees are stressed at work like this? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're seeing is um, you know, when when folks aren't available and you don't have the ability to see uh, in real time what's going on because of labor shortages, you end up having uh, a whole bunch of operating gaps that occur. Those operating gaps might be, for example, around quality uh, or around service uh, delivery or, uh, you know, time to task. But also in some cases, uh, with the kinds of uh, products and the kinds of use cases we support, we see inventory um Issues we have equipment failures that go unmonitored, or power and um, uh, and grid related uh, energy electricity failures that end up causing spoilage and loss. So there's a whole range of downstream effects to not having enough people on site. Uh, one of the common uh, problems is that you end up with a lot of you know unforced errors, so to speak, stuff that gets lost or or wasted because there wasn't enough weren't enough eyeballs uh, on the task or, or stuff was left unmonitored. In cold chain in particular, that often takes the form of uh, energy and or uh, equipment failure causing 
the equipment to go down. And then if you don't have people on site checking things, you might lose product or end up with a hotspot in a warehouse. And, and that's expensive because you're literally throwing dollars into the ground. This is like a trickle down effect is, is what I'm hearing from you, correct? It is. Yeah. It's kind of one of these downstream problems, you know, the unint- you know, unintended you know, consequences. And it makes sense, you know, when, when people are so critical to doing these jobs and doing these tasks well, and you have fewer people working at a given location or a few number of hours when locations are staffed, you know, something's got to go. Something's got to give. And if we're talking about human error, uh, products going bad, that's wasted food, wasted money, and we're big on battling the food waste crisis here. So maybe let's get into a bit about that, what you're seeing when it comes to food waste and the crisis that it is. Yeah. Well, there's a few things that we're seeing. I mean, you know, there's a lot of uh, literature on the food waste crisis and, and the size of the problem. I think the Boston Consulting Group report on food waste from a few years ago is often cited. I think they say about $1.6 trillion gets thrown out every year. Roughly a third of all the food that gets made is thrown out. That's crazy to think about it. One in every three pounds of food that's made is thrown out. Um, and as a country, if that was a, a country, that would be about the amount, it would be like the number four uh, source of emissions in terms of global warming. Um, we work on, and we think there's an opportunity to work on the part of that food waste problem that happens in the supply chain, which they say is around 11%, you know, give or take, of the, the total problem. That's still a massive number. We're talking about over $150 billion a year that gets thrown away. That's just a huge amount of economic waste. And so uh, there's many sources of the problem, but you know, one of the big sources of the problem is the cold chain and the either lack of adequate cold chain or failures in the cold chain that causes product to get thrown out and wasted. And that's the area that Therma is most focused on. We help businesses reduce spoilage and shrink by monitoring assets, catching equipment failure early using predictive models and analytics, and helping to ensure that nothing gets thrown out uh, 24-7, you know, and these are high-value perishables. So that's, uh, you know, the area of the problem that we focus on, using monitoring and analytics to prevent spoilage and shrink inside stationary refrigeration. But there's a whole bunch of other problems that cause, uh, you know, food waste across the supply chain as well. And of course, being able to monitor that in the freezers eventually saves the company money on what they're wasting, of course. There were a couple stories you'd brought up the last time we talked, um, one specifically about a wedding. I'd like to get into that one just because I thought it was so interesting. Yeah. I mean, we, we see all kinds of stories because of the kinds of businesses we work with. Folks are telling us about real-time uh, events you know, every week. Uh, recently, we had a, a customer, uh, you know, a boutique, a high-end hotel that um, you know, ended up with a spoilage event in their mainline refrigeration in, you know, just in advance of a, uh, a major hospitality event, a season, you know, a wedding, you know, which is, you know, all the rage now because everyone's finally getting to have those events they couldn't have during the pandemic. They had, you know, roughly $80,000 worth of inventory that they nearly lost, but we were able to catch the equipment failure and alert the director of operations who told his staff about it. This happened on a uh, a, a, a nighttime occurrence um, on a weeknight just before the weekend event when the boxes weren't being staffed and the location was very lightly managed. It would have gone unnoticed because they didn't have alarm and notifications coming off these assets. We were able to catch that event, save them 
literally close to $100,000 of inventory on a super high-end wedding banquet that was coming. And, and that's the kind of event that uh, we catch all the time. Now, it's not always you know, $80,000 worth of product. That depends on the kind of business. But there are spoilage and loss events that happen all throughout the life cycle and, and all throughout the year, many more than people often appreciate. I'm curious if there's anything specific that happens that happens too often that you notice from companies when they're coming to you saying, we had this issue and we were able to fix it. But is there anything specific that seems to happen? Yeah, there's a few patterns we see. One is, um, you know, there's certain types of um, recurring events. So for example, inventory delivery and cleaning, people often end up with um, doors being left open or door jams that are loose and just burning shelf life, burning energy. So we catch a lot of spoilage and shrink and loss around inventory delivery and around um, maintenance and, and, and cleaning events. Second, we see a lot of issues around uh, grid failures. When utilities have a brownout or a rolling brownout that's, uh, you know, that's kind of unanticipated, uh, a lot of times that causes spoilage and loss because business owners don't know it's happening. This happened a ton with customers of ours in California, uh, where we're based. Uh, over the last few years, as I'm sure uh, many folks know, we had a, a really bad series of wildfires in Northern California, uh, and uh, utilities ended up having to run rolling brownouts. Many, many businesses were affected. And if you have perishables, uh, we had a number of customers who lost significant amounts of inventory during rolling brownouts because they weren't expecting or weren't aware. And those are the kinds of things that happen, unfortunately, uh, all too often now. Uh, we also, a third source of the problem uh, around failure and waste is because of equipment um, you know, malfunction. We see compressors going out, coolant leaks, uh, wiring issues, uh, all causing unnecessary energy consumption, and in many cases, overpulling of power. And in some cases, we end up seeing um, significant spoilage and loss because if that asset goes down and someone's not there, the piece of equipment might be down at night or on the weekend, and you end up coming back to discover, you know, you have to throw out a freezer full of food or um, a display case full of, uh, you know, valuable product. You're touching on the energy saving, and I would like to save that for a little bit later in our interview because there's a couple things I know we can get into. But I would like to know if there's anything in the refrigeration world when it comes to something that might be new or any changes in the last decade that you've seen. Yeah, we've seen a number of... Um, well, the last decade's a long time for sure. Uh, you know, I think we've seen a lot of trends. Uh, one of the things I think we're seeing a lot more technology adoption these days uh, going on across customers, across the supply chain. But I think that um, we've seen a growing focus in the last couple of years on lightweight, low cost technology that could be adopted and ways in which businesses can run leaner um, and run more efficient without having to make huge capital investments. I think that's a function of just the time we live in. The last couple of years have been really hard for the food and, and hospitality and retail industries with the pandemic and with so much global uncertainty. And so I think businesses have learned to do more with less and reinvent themselves. We're seeing that in the supply chain. We're seeing that with, with many, many different types of um, buyers and, and how they think about uh, adopting technology, using tools and, and automating and monitoring and managing assets better. I say this because uh, when we last spoke, you'd mentioned um, comparing the cold chain energy saving, kind of the way that people are doing things to the 1950s and how some things, you know, really haven't changed maybe as much as they needed to, but 
you and I know, we both know that there are many companies coming out with new ways of saving. Um, and so I just, I, I, I loved your comparison to, to calling it something from years ago. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the, the you know, broad uh, framework was, you know, the assets themselves, the piece of equipment in the refrigeration cold chain are still run, you know, like it's 1950 in the sense that they're not connected to the cloud. They're generally not being optimized with data science. You know, if you think about it, just ask yourself, does anyone you know turn refrigeration on and off when energy prices change? Energy prices change every day, all day throughout the year. I haven't met a business that turns refrigeration on and off dynamically based on energy prices. That's a, you know, a simple but kind of a, you know, a clear example of we're leaving a lot of value on the table because these pieces of equipment, these assets are still run, you know, so to speak, dumb. They're not connected to the cloud. You can't remote control them and turn them up and down. We have a bunch of customers in the K-12 education industry. Uh, you know, the, the school districts and schools we work with are often closed for several months in the year. And so utilization is pretty low, if, if not zero. Well, very few of those uh, operators actually touch the settings and the set points on their assets. So you've got stuff running at full tilt, even though no one's using it, no one's there. Those are kinds of examples of you know, why these uh, pieces of equipment in this asset layer is still run dumb and why there's a lot of opportunity to improve and save money in the process. It's like when you're walking downtown and you see all these businesses with these lights on inside, the businesses are closed, but I myself always wonder, why are we using the energy to keep these lights on when we could be saving it? Why is it so necessary? I know um, is working on a new product, Smart Refrigeration. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I think it's exactly, you know, to that, to that, to that example, Sydney, you know, in, in, uh, in the past, when energy was cheap, uh, and the planet was subsidizing it, we could all afford to, to you know, um, have a lot of inefficiency. And so you go, you know, into a downtown and you look at these skyscrapers late at night, lights are still on, HVAC systems are still running, even though no one's there. That made sense when energy was cheap and there was a lot of it. Uh, but that was coming at the cost of, you know, our planet because we were using fossil fuels primarily. That's most of the 20th century. What I think we're seeing as a society is in the last couple of decades, it's catching up with us. And now energy is getting more expensive, both economically and from the standpoint of the cost to the planet. The cost of pulling those re resources out of the ground and burning them into the atmosphere is actually getting pretty high. And so we're living in a moment where we have to decide, are we going to keep doing things wastefully and just throwing dollars away and throwing uh, you know, more greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, or are we going to try and do more with less? And that's why I think there's a huge push around resource efficiency as one of the big parts of the climate movement and ways to try and address global warming. I think resource efficiency is literally about you know using uh, resources like energy more effectively, more efficiently, doing more with less. What we're trying to do at Therma is bring that methodology and that approach into refrigeration. And so we've started building a solution that can turn refrigeration up and down and on and off dynamically, that intelligence uh, and that, or that smart refrigeration allows us to tap uh, differentials in price uh, to save businesses money by running the equipment more when energy is cheaper and running it less when it's more expensive, uh, by turning it up and down in response to utilization. For example, when no one's there and there's nothing inside, don't need to run it at full tilt. And so that kind of idea that you could run refrigeration intelligently um, is something that we've started building and scaling as a second layer of our solution. 
I'm curious if they would look similar to the sensors that you have now. Would the product be similar like that? It is. I mean, we've we've deployed it this year, so it's um, it's similar to the sensors in the sense that it's a drop-in-place solution. Um, and the idea here is that you don't need to have expensive um, hardware installation, and uh, there's not you know you're not purchasing a very expensive product. We we're selling both the monitoring and the optimization uh, or intelligence solution as a subscription-based product. So you're not buying expensive hardware or paying for expensive installation and maintenance. Um, and in that sense, the idea is to make it really easy and really simple for our customers and not have to get into a huge uh, you know, um, headache and heartache around how do we actually adopt this technology and deploy it in our locations. And so are each customer able to customize what they need this for for each product maybe that they have in their, in their business? Yes. I mean, there, there's a number of areas where you can turn uh, dials up and down or on and off. You can set controls around the monitoring and you can set threshold values around the alerting and notifications based on the kind of equipment, the type of product inside, what kind of business you run, what geography you're in in terms of how, how warm or cold it is. And of course, your own you know, preferences around you know, how sensitive or or um, you know, open-ended you want to be about getting notifications. Similarly, with our controls layer and the optimization, you can dial up and dial down the optimization and get more savings um, or less, depending on how much you want to turn your refrigeration into a battery, so to speak, and tap it. Uh, and that's, you know, again, depends on what kind of business you run, the compliance needs, the kind of product you have inside, how often it's being opened and closed and used. And how much might this save a company when it comes to their energy bill? So we're right now seeing, uh, you know, between 10 and 15% savings from the smart refrigeration product, which is, you know, pretty significant and adds up over time. 10 to 15% a month uh, starts to look like meaningful dollars, uh, especially considering that the product doesn't have a installation or hardware fee. It's a, it's a subscription-based product. So it's really designed to sit on top of your existing stack. And I do love the idea of this product. I'm curious what you've heard from companies that are using it currently. Yeah, uh, we're hearing uh, very positive feedback. We're uh, building an entire marketing effort around this product over the summer and fall. Um, energy prices are obviously rising and, and on everyone's mind right now with, with inflation and with, with the summer being especially a time when it's hot and people are trying to get outdoors and travel. So I think that... Um, Energy is on everyone's mind right now. And definitely we're getting a lot of feedback that, hey, this is something we could use help with. We want to make sure our energy costs don't get crazy. So I think it's very topical because of what's going on in the world and the timing. Um, and I also think that you know businesses are, are starting to think about the climate uh, and, and the sustainability impact of their efforts and about how they can both do the right thing and also market and message it to their customers and so a lot of our early adopters are saying, hey, this is a great solution because it saves me money. I need to save money in this operating environment. And this is good for the planet. There's a carbon calculator in our product and you can actually see the emissions reduction. And you know, we're telling our customers, hey, you should market that. You should absolutely embrace that. And um, that's a, it's, it's green technology. It's, we call it clean cooling, but it's, it's a way to do the right thing you should get the win for that with your customers. And so I think there's a, a number of reasons why our early adopters are very excited about the product, both from a profitability and from a sustainability standpoint. 
Now, Monica, before I let you go, please tell me where can folks find more about you, more about Therma? Always a pleasure to, to, to chat with folks that are interested. Um, we're online and we're also hiring and growing. Uh, we are available for reach outs, um, both on our website, hellotherma.com, H-E-L-L-O, Therma, T-H-E-R-M-A, hellotherma.com. I'd love to connect directly if folks are interested. My contact is Monik, M-A-N-I-K, at hellotherma.com. We're on LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, we're, we're about 60 people based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. We're hiring. We have 15 open roles. We're uh, raising capital, always looking to partner with folks and, 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 and find new partners and customers. So please reach out. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I always appreciate it. And I look forward to learning more about this clean cooling and, and the smart refrigerator. So thank you so much for joining. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, tonight on Running on Ice newsletter, if you are not subscribed, you got to get subscribed to the newsletter. You can get to go to FreightWaves.com to subscribe. It's Running on Ice, much like this podcast and show. And that comes out tonight at 7 p.m. And don't wait up because next week I'll be talking with the folks at Tithe and we're getting into saving loads and how getting there before the customer knows that there's an issue keeps customers coming back. You won't want to miss it. That'll be here running on ice next week, Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern.